Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991. To Boston, Bloomberg 1200. To San Francisco, Bloomberg 960. To the country, Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app at Bloomberg.com. This is Taking Stock. I'm Kathleen Hayes, along with Pim Fox. It's something that Fed Chair Janet Yellen mentioned in uh, her commentary this week that maybe there are long-term structural problems that's holding the U.S. economy back, things like uh, a decline of work, more structural issues. Well, we're going to be joined shortly by a man who's taking these issues square on in his new book, The Price of Prosperity, Why Rich Nations Fail and How to Renew Them. He's got some answers to some of Janet Yellen's dilemmas. Todd Buckholz will be joining us shortly. All right. And uh, right now, let's go to Charlie Pellet in the Bloomberg Newsroom for Bloomberg Business Flash. And uh, thank you, Pim. Thank you, Kathleen. Let's begin with the big picture here. Stocks lower across the board. We are brought to you by Bentley University. What do rebooting America's oldest ski shop and crunching numbers at Vistaprint have in common? An MBA from Bentley University that prepares graduates to innovate and lead. Because business is everywhere. Prepare here. Stocks are retreating amid selling in healthcare and tech shares that have been the market's weakest all year. Apple heading for its biggest slide in five weeks, dragging down technology after regulators in China said the latest iPhones violated a design patent of a Chinese company. Apple shares are down 1.8%. Turns out St. Louis Federal Reserve President Jim Bullard is the missing dot when the Fed released its economic projections in Washington earlier this week. One of the 17 officials sitting around the table did not put forth an estimate for a long-run interest rate projection displayed in the Fed's so-called dot plot. Today, Bullard said it was his. Troy Gajewski is senior portfolio manager at Skybridge Capital. You know, all along the lines, particularly last year, there's been a debate, is the market right? Is the Fed right? Is the market right? Is the Fed right? And it looks like the market's been right for quite some time. So, you know, two and a half years out, he's also admitting that you really have no predictive power over that. So stop pretending you do. Viacom is forecasting earnings for the quarter ending in June that lag behind analyst analyst estimates, adding to the woes of its leader under siege, CEO Philippe Dauman. Viacom shares rose as investors speculated that the earnings forecast would put him, uh, put more pressure on him to step down. Viacom up 1.1%. 232 on Wall Street now. The other stories making news. Thank you, Charlie, from the Bloomberg Newsroom. I'm Oliver Rennick. There's likely to be a showdown over gun control next week on Capitol Hill. In the wake of the Orlando massacre, Senate Democrats pushed Republicans to allow a vote on their proposal that the government be allowed to prevent anyone on a terrorist watch list from buying a gun. Republicans disagree. They say a court should have to sign off on a no-buy order. The Russian track and field team is being banned from the Olympics in Rio. The International Association of Athletics Federations announced today the Russian Athletics Federation has not done enough to prove they've cleaned up the team after charges of systemic doping. Here's IAAF President Sebastian Coe. Although good progress has been made, the IAAF Council was unanimous that RUSAF had not met the reinstatement conditions and that Russian athletes could not credibly return to international competition. The Duke of Cambridge is taking on cyber bullies. Prince William is launching a task force with Google, Twitter, and Snapchat to combat online abuse. Social media and messaging had transformed bullying from something that was not only the torment of the classroom and playground, but something that followed you home as well, to the one safe haven that children should have. 
Williams says becoming a father has made him increasingly sensitive to the problem, especially for kids. A judge has ruled that a New York man fatally poisoned more than a decade ago by his wife will not have to stay buried in a plot she owns and is scheduled to be buried in. 48-year-old Stacy Castor died in prison last weekend. A judge says the family of her husband can move his body from his grave to another plot near Syracuse. Global News 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus around the world. From the Bloomberg Newsroom, I'm Oliver Rennick. Charlie? And we thank you. And again, recapping, we do have stocks law. S&P 500 index down 4 to 2,073, a drop of two-tenths of 1%. Gold is down one-tenth of 1%, down $1.20 to 12.97. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. This is Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio. For a lot of Americans in this election year, there is a sense that something they once had is slipping through their fingers. Some would say that's why the likes of Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders have done so well this year. A new book. The Price of Prosperity, Right, Rich Nation Fail, and How to Renew Them, goes to the heart of this matter. What is wrong with this country? How can we regain our past economic glory? Todd Buckholz joins us now. He is the author of many books, from new ideas from uh, dead CEOs to his current new book. Ted, Todd, welcome. Good to be with you. So what led you to write this one? Well, you know, all my life, I've heard friends and neighbors, starting when I was a little kid growing up on the Jersey Shore, and the book starts out with that, and I'm a kid, and my dad's flipping hamburgers some summer day, and I'm swatting mosquitoes off of my legs, and some neighbor says, if Nixon gets elected, I'm moving to Canada, and then a few years later, well, if Carter gets elected, I'm moving to Canada, oh, if Reagan gets elected, I'm moving... And I figured Canada must be a pretty crowded place, <laughs> but it's not. But now, for Kathleen, for the first time in my life, when people bemoan the current state of U.S. and uh, the United States and our politics and threaten to move, now I think they may not be bluffing. And I think that there's been a decline in patriotism, a decline in hope. And that's why, as you say, you see Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump out there. Uh, creating all sorts of uh, all sorts of passion and all kinds of millions of votes because America is not the place it was. And the question is, can we become great again? Let me just put to you that something you, you talked about recently, uh, Todd. This has to do with uh, tax cuts and trade agreements. You said you can argue all you want about these things, tax cuts, trade agreements. But the fact is that the president is a symbol for whether the country is interested in strong economic growth or not. And as the former White House Director of Economic Policy under George H.W. Bush and also manage, former Managing Director of the Tiger uh, Hedge Fund, what do you mean by that? Because it seems as if you just described the problem. How do we deal with it? How do we face these challenges successfully? Well, there are, of course, many challenges. And in the book, I, I point out five factors that undermine prosperous countries and have throughout history. I mean, just, just to go to history for a moment, there used to be Habsburgs wandering around Europe. There used to be Ottomans, and they're gone. Those were very successful, prosperous empires, but they were undermined from within, and so are we. Now, Pim, when you get to the question of what can a president do, well, first and foremost, the president, he or she, needs to answer whether economic growth and, uh, is a priority or not. It was a priority, certainly under President Reagan. It was a priority under President Clinton, a Democratic president. 
I think if you if you speak to many business people today about the Obama administration and how it looks at the idea of people earning money and the idea of companies earning profits, they feel almost as if the Obama administration sat on a tank turret and did a 360-degree turn firing at every industry. First, it was the HMOs. Then it was the oil industry. Then it was the coal industry. Then it was the pharmaceutical industry. And according to the administration, they were virtually all bad actors. And at some point, they dragged in, you remember, Tim Cook from Apple was almost shackled and dragged before the Senate uh, for tax, so-called tax dodging. So what does that mean? It means it's telling businesses that the U.S. is no longer a hospitable place to invest. And so it's not surprising, therefore, that you see that business investment has been the biggest laggard in this rather tepid economic recovery. Patriotism. You think we need more of it for everybody, people who've been born and raised here for decades and the newcomers. Absolutely. I think there's a joint obligation that's missing from our society. And at the end of The Price of Prosperity, I I put forth something I call the Patriotist Manifesto. And there are dual obligations. I believe that any immigrant or would-be immigrant needs to embrace American history, I would make it a requirement that if you're applying for citizenship or a green card, I would require you to have your passport stamped, not simply at the port of entry at JFK or LAX, but at least five historical landmarks in the U.S., but I also would put an obligation on Americans, uh, American citizens. If a student is applying for a loan, I would require them to get their passports stamped, whether it's at Mount Vernon or the Museum of Tolerance in Ellis Island and, and the like. I think it's very important that immigrants feel that they have embraced American history and American citizens need to need to honor immigrants and respect the fact that someone coming off the boat today has just as much right to embrace Thomas Jefferson and Alexander Hamilton as someone who came over on the Mayflower. Give you about 30 seconds. Robots and minimum wage. Wow. You know, the minimum wage is zero, right? The minimum, because companies can fire folks if they don't want to pay the minimum wage. When I, when I travel, whether through LaGuardia Airport or any other airport in this country, I'm amazed by the number of iPads I see that have replaced waiters and waitresses. So sure, you can make the minimum wage $20, $50 an hour, but you can't force businesses to hire. In terms of robots, uh, I worry about our education system. Uh, people need critical thinking skills. You can't get by on brawn anymore. You need brains. Thank you very much uh, for sharing your brain with us. Todd (laughs) Buchholz is is, uh, economist and uh, author of the new book, The Price of Prosperity, Why Rich Nations Fail and How to Renew Them. You're listening to Taking Stock on Bloomberg Radio. This Hamptons Commuter Minute is brought to you by Land Rover. Visit your local tri-state area Land Rover retailer for special lease and finance officers. Land Rover, above and beyond.